Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, good evening, River of Life. Good I'm glad that you made it out tonight on this beautiful, sunny day. Hope you got to spend some time outside. I mean, you're doing yard work earlier today. Some of you don't have it even in you to raise your hand when I talk about yard work, apparently. Uh, Well, I'm glad that you still came out tonight, and and we are excited about what God is doing. Can I just mention to you, if you didn't notice uh, our post yesterday on social media, we have had an amazing week. We had had our food bank has gone mobile, and uh, this has been a dream of Corianne for some time now, and so we were able to acquire these two amazing trucks. And so she started this week, she said, we're going to go to our Lee and we're going to go and we're going to set up our food bank in a mobile way. And, and Vance, who is here tonight, has been instrumental in making that happen. Um, Vance, would you just stand up just because I, I can tell you to and I love doing that. Would you just, man, we love that guy. Uh, so uh, they went out and, and they had no idea what to expect. And so Corianne packed out of 40-some boxes of food, and uh, they went out there, and they ran out of food. They gave away so many boxes of food. And so next week, they're going to pack more boxes, and we're going to see a bigger impact, and we're going to watch as God continues to do something incredible in Arlie. It's really cool because some of our team is there, some of Vance's team, for some of you who don't know, Vance is a pastor, and he is going to plant a church in Arlie. I don't know if I was supposed to announce that or not, but... I just did, so no take backs. Um, so we're excited to just partner with them and what they're doing in our Lee. And uh, so that's awesome. And then we, we got to see, as you know, we have an outpost in Malawi, Africa. And this week, they, have, they must have had like 50 kids in kids' church alone. I mean, it is unbelievable what God is doing there. And so I just want you to know that we're, we are so excited. Today, Hands of Hope was out, and they were delivering to all kinds of places. The food bank here was hopping. The clothing closet was moving. Things are always happening, and it's because we have been called to be a church that says we're not going to just sit back and, and have a, a gathering once or twice a week, but we're going to go and we're going to serve this community. And so I just want to thank all of you who have found your place when it comes to serving. If you haven't found your place yet... You need to. You are, the day of service is a great opportunity for you to come out. It's at the, it's the, the first day of next month. We're going to get together and we're going to just go out and it's a great way for you to try one of our many outreaches that happens. So I just want to encourage you, get on the app, sign up to be a part of that. When you come, if you've not been a part of it, it's an amazing day. We get in this room, we come in, you get, you get handed a, a shirt when you register. You just get one for just being there. And, uh, and, and you'll put that shirt on. They'll serve you the, the world's best breakfast burritos. Where's Bob? Where's Bob when I need Bob? Because Bob would be amen in that. He's upstairs. All right. He's amening upstairs in the, in the live stream room right now. Um, but but we, we eat together, then we worship together, and then we go out together. And we got a project that's going to happen even in our Lee, and that's going to be awesome as well. We got people going down to the TSOS. We got people helping with Teen Challenge. We got people cleaning the streets. We are going to do everything we can to make a huge impact in our community. Amen? So I just want to encourage you, sign up if you haven't already signed up. In the years past, we've had about 200 people come out and serve. I'd like to see that be even higher this year. 
And we've got Jonathan Martinez is going to be here for the, that weekend. And if you've not met Jonathan Martinez, I'm just going to describe him this way. Ball of energy. That's who he is. And he is phenomenal. So we're excited that he's going to come and be a, be a part of that with us. Amen? Well, we started a series last week that we've called Live Forward, and today I want to talk to you a little bit about victory over victimhood. And uh, this is a topic that I think is super important for us because we live in a world right now where victimhood is kind of uh, almost a badge of honor, where people love to be the victim of things. And I just am telling you right now, some of you have a really hard story and you've had bad things happen to you, and I understand that you've been a victim. But what I want you to understand is God is not calling you to stay a victim. He's called you into victory. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. But before we do that, I just want you to, our key verse for this series is, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward into maturity. God, we just thank you so much. As we look at your word, Father, I know that, God, every time we look at your word, it's alive and so it speaks to us. So God, I know that there are places and people from all different places in their journey with you, but God, it doesn't matter where we are because Lord, you speak directly to us when we dig into your word. So Father, I pray for those who are watching in Star Valley, Wyoming, that God, you would speak to that campus and that Lord, we would just hear incredible testimonies as they move forward into their new space and, and begin to invite new people to come and to hear your word. And God, we thank you for what you're doing in Malawi. And so Father, I just pray that God, even as they hear this word, that God, it will transform them. That God, people will come to know you in a new and a real way. And we just praise you for that. God, we're so thankful that you allow us to be a part of what you're doing. And Father, for everyone within the sound of my voice right now, that God, we would set aside preconceived notions and, and thinking that maybe we already know this and God, that we would hear you and that God, you would move us to where we need to be in Jesus' name, I pray, amen. amen. So as we talk about living forward, what we need to understand is that for many of us, we don't move forward and we spent some time on this last weekend because we allow our past to be the thing that defines who we are and where we're going. And I want you to know that God never looks at your past to determine your future. He doesn't ever look at where you've come from and say, well, now because of that, there's limits on them. We serve a limitless God, and when we put ourselves in his hands, he can do limitless things. And so I want to spend a little bit of time looking at Ezekiel chapter 18. Uh, verse 1 says this, God's message to me, so Ezekiel saying God's message to me was, what do you people mean by going around the country repeating the saying, the parents ate green apples, the children got a stomach ache? As sure as I am a living God, you're not going to repeat this saying in Israel any longer. Every soul, man, woman, child, belongs to me, parent and child alike. You die for your own sin, not another's. Now, this goes to some of what we talked about last weekend, that we, when we, uh, we live in such a way that it is, it is ours that will stand before God. What we've done is what we'll be accountable for. We can't get to heaven on someone else's coattails. We can't, we can't just say, well, my parents were good enough, so I'll be fine. No, we are going to give an account, each and every one of us, when we stand before God. And so that's essentially what this verse is talking about. 
Some of you sit in the room and you go, Jason, my family is hard. My family tree is difficult. If you only knew how bad things were where I came from. And, and, and I struggle daily because of all the hard things that I've walked through. And maybe you think that that's a cap on you. But I'm telling you, it's not a cap. Because even as we look at scripture, we see men and women throughout scripture who had very hard things and who maybe even did things all right and their children still didn't serve God the way that they should. David was called a man after God. God's own heart, and Absalom did some terrible stuff and even tried to, to, to destroy David's kingdom. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, devoted to his life, uh, to God's work, and Ham put, uh, was so bad that God put a curse on him because of the wickedness of his sin. And Abraham was called the father of the faithful, and he had a son named Ishmael who has caused more chaos and more wars even today uh, because of the way he lived his life. I mean, we see it throughout Scripture. Even Adam, the first Christian father, had his son was Cain, the first murderer. So we, there's a lot of things that we can control in life. There's a lot of things that we can't control. We can't control our family tree. We can't control who we came from or the struggles that maybe we've walked through. But what I want you to understand today is no matter what it is, you need to understand that, that God is calling you to a limitless place where he's saying, I understand that maybe your family tree was hard or maybe you had a struggle, but if you'll put your trust in me, then I can make something amazing come of your life. You know, it's interesting because I will step into a room like this tonight where I will see people who had all the advantages. They had, they had the good set of parents and they, they had money when they needed it and all their needs were met. And, and a lot of times you'll see people like that who will struggle to even really trust in God. And then I, I look out in this room even tonight and I see people who I know, man, your, your past is hard and the things that you've walked through are a huge struggle and you, you you're, you're barely made it into the room tonight. But then I watch as you are the ones that like dive in and you worship and you just press in and you say, God, I need you more. And there's something so powerful about coming to that place where we go, you know what, God, I understand that you see me and you create created me and you knew who my dad was going to be and you knew who my grandpa was going to be. But even inside of that, you still designed me with plans and dreams and you want to do incredible things through me. I understand some of you sit in the room and even as I talk about victory over victimhood, you go, Jason, I have had a really hard season. I, I know that there are people that are watching today that are in the room even today that you've been through abusive situations, that you've, you've seen things that you never should have seen. You've walked through things that you never should have had to walk through. And so it's really like you go, man, be careful, preacher. Be careful because I am a victim of some stuff. And I understand that and I believe that to be true. But what I'm telling you is God doesn't want you to land there. Amen. He's not calling you to stay there. And it's through his strength that you'll be able to walk to the other side of it. Amen. If we're going to remove the victim mentality, we need to remove the word excuse from our vocabulary. Amen. There are some parents in the room tonight, and even as I talked about those parents who had kids that walked away and did their own thing, that's, that's a struggle for you because the guilt eats at you. And tonight I want you to hear two things from me when we, when we just talk about that piece it's you are to never give up on your children. Amen. And, but you also need to stop living in guilt and shame. Amen. 
See, the enemy will take something where, where he's, he's done something and your child has a season, and we're just going to call it that because I believe that, that it's a season that they've walked away from God. And inside of that, if the enemy can not only press in and get your kid, but through that can get you to live in guilt and shame, then it's a twofer. He's always looking for a twofer. He wants a two-for-one, and, and so you can't let him have that. You've got to understand that there is, there is this place that you've got to live where there are times where you've got to throw your hands up and just say, say, God, I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening with my kid. I don't understand why it's such a struggle. I don't know why they, they keep doing stupid stuff, but God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest them at your feet, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to know that you love them even more than I love them, and so I'm going to believe, and I'm going to walk this out. But I want to talk about this idea because I think for many of us, we've come to a place where we've accepted victimhood. If you don't reach your full potential in life, you have no one to blame but you. See, that's not a popular message these days. It's not something anybody wants to hear. We want to hear that there's all kinds of reasons. Yeah, but Jason, my neighborhood. Yeah, but Jason, this this, uh, you know, my, my, my marriage, my whatever. We got all these excuses. And so we can always pin the blame on somebody else. But I'm telling you right now, God has not called you to live in victimhood. He called you to victory. And if we allow these things to continue, some of you live your life on the excuse train. The more you blame others in your surroundings, the less we have to work to change the things that are holding us back. We cap our potential. We cap our potential. We got to hear that because it's us that makes the decision to cap it. God looks at you and he says, man, the dreams I have for you. The day is going to come when we're going to stand before God and he's going to look at us and he's going to go, man, if you'd have leaned in a little bit more, let me show you what I actually had for you. If you tell yourself lies and justify your ineffectiveness, you will start believing that for the rest of your life. You will never be productive because you're always looking at the next excuse instead of the next opportunity. Leave that one up there for a minute, would you guys? Because some people need to write that one down. You will always look to what's the next excuse instead of what's the next opportunity. God always has opportunity for you. He always has opportunity for you. He's not, he's not up in heaven and going, oh man, oh, I, totally, I totally forgot about them. Darn it. I should have been giving them some opportunity. But no, he always has opportunity for you. But many of us spend more time worried about the excuses as to why we're not accomplishing anything instead of looking for the opportunity that God's placed in front of us. Someone once said, you, uh, you can have excuses or you can have progress, but you can't have both. Yeah. I remember when I, was, when I was probably like 20 years old, I got this job as a, a video editor for a, an ad agency. And I was, I was uh, it was all new to me. The stuff I was doing was stuff I wasn't familiar with. And I was struggling with it each and every day. I felt like every day I would get into trouble because I wouldn't do something right or things that they thought I knew I didn't know. And so I would sit there and I remember coming to a place at one point where I was, I was, I was trying to do it and, I, and I, instead of even working on trying to better my skills, I spent more time trying to figure out what excuse I was going to tell them so I wouldn't get into trouble when they came and checked on what I was doing. 
And that's for real. Like I was literally thinking, oh, well, I'll tell them this happened this week or this machine isn't working or this, this was a struggle or whatever. And I would make up excuses instead of like leaning in and going, man, God has given me a job that I probably didn't deserve. And if I lean in, I'll learn something. But many of us, we spend our lives making excuses instead of stepping into the opportunities that God has in front of you. Even as I was listening to Jason come up and talk about what if only the people that you invited to, to know Jesus were the only ones that would make it into heaven. Man, that's, that's a guilt trip right there. But it's good. Because what if we lived our lives that way? What if we understood that instead of making excuses, well, I'd love to share my faith with that person, but I've really got to get going because I promised someone I'd be there on time or whatever it is. We can make up all kinds of excuses. And we make up excuses instead of taking opportunities that God's placed in front of us. Suddenly, everything isn't our fault. We begin to stop focusing on winning, and instead, we start focusing on how we can justify our losses. Leave that one up there for a second, too. Because many of us spend more time justifying our losses than we do focusing on how we can win. Victimhood is fashionable today. It's become something that people tout that it's, it's good to be a victim. You should all feel sorry for me. Can I tell you, I've even seen it with pastors now where we've gotten to a place where, where they will tout how picked on they are or how, how hard life is for them. Some of them have gotten pretty good at crying to show what a victim they are. I'm just telling you right now, I don't know why you'd follow someone who's a constant victim. Like we are called to be victorious, not victims. We are called to walk in victory. Now, does that mean that everything you do, you're going to win at? No, you're going to fail. You're going to struggle. It's going to be hard at times. But at the end of the day, my book tells me that I win. So why am I walking around with my head down acting like life is so hard and like, man, what a struggle it is for me? Can I tell you, God's never called you to be that way. He wants you to walk going, hey, you know what? Today was hard, but I know that he's in control and I know he's got great things for me. We have got to stop focusing on potential problems and start focusing on potential. Man, we get to a place where we constantly are overanalyzing everything. Well, but this could go wrong, and this could be a problem, and what if this is a struggle? And, and you know, starting a church in Malawi, there could be a lot of things that could happen there. We don't really have, we don't have the, the means of really focusing and making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and so we should really lay out all the problems that could happen. Or we could go, hey, you know what? 150 people came to church this week. Because God is moving and all he's waiting for is for us to stop focusing on all the problems that can happen and start stepping into the potential that he has. And so for many of you, you need this because you need to understand if we're going to live forward, what that means is you got to just start going, you know what, God, today I believe that you have some potential for me. And so what is it and how can I step into it? And you know what, God, if I step into it and I trip and I fall, then I'm going to pick myself back up and I'm going to trust you that tomorrow you're going to show me something else. 
But man, we just kind of we just kind of hide ourselves in hopes that we don't ever get hurt. We bubble wrap ourselves. We've got a generation that we've raised in bubble wrap. I'm just testing this stuff out for tomorrow to see if I'm gonna reuse it or not. We'll see. See how the response is. So far, it's yeah. We'll see. It's good. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. The Bible says everything. God has vision and purpose for your life, but you've got to step into that. It's amazing how many people will support you if you have a good vision. Like if you'll just say, you know what, God, God's given me this vision. He's shown me something. And I understand that there's all kinds of problems. There's all kinds of things that could go wrong. There's all kinds of things that, that might not work. But he's given me this vision. And so I'm going to start walking towards it. And all of a sudden, you'll have these people that will come alongside you because there's something that is so uh, electric about a, a, a good vision. Yeah. I had a, a business partner at one point back in the day, and he was a struggled with alcoholism. And I remember he, there were so many nights that I would get a call from his wife and, and she'd say, he's out and I don't know where he is and he's been drinking again and, and he's out with the car and I'm afraid he's gonna get into an accident. And so I'd get into my car and I'd go and drive around and try and find him and, and I would eventually locate him and I'd bring him back to our office and we'd sit and we'd have these talks and, and he, he would continually use the, the victimhood mentality. Well, my wife doesn't support me. She, she's not nice to me. And I'm like, duh, you're drinking like crazy, man. You're causing upheaval in your home. And yet you're, you're going to play the victim card inside of that. And I see that time and time again where I see people who will just come up with all kinds of reasons to do stupid stuff. And we got to come to a place where we go, you know what? I am responsible for what God's given me. And so if you're struggling in one of those ways, if you're an alcoholic, don't get me wrong, there are people that can come alongside you and help you in that. But don't use it as an excuse to just live however you want and whenever there's a problem, it's someone else's fault. We need to stop telling ourselves what we can't do because can't is contagious. Can't is contagious. It absolutely is. You get into a group of people and you can have somebody that'll go, you know what? I feel like God, like Corianne, I feel like God is telling us that we should go and do mobile food banks. Can I tell you there's another location that I think is going to open up pretty quick. Um, but, but we're, you know, they go and they say, hey, I'm going to go and do this, this thing. And all of a sudden, all it takes is one person in that circle to start going, well, I don't know if you can do that because, and they'll tell you why you can't. And then all of a sudden, everyone else will start chiming in with why you can't. Can't is absolutely contagious. We've got to stop being the can't people because we serve a God that always can. I hear people say, man, well, I, you know, I struggle with my character because my parents were a bad influence. No, you have no character because you've chosen not to have character. Our society blames everyone else for everything. Some of the most amazing people that I've met grew up in horrible situations, but they made a choice. 
They made a choice to overcome. And they did it with God's help, obviously. You can change your negativity. You can change your laziness. You can change your eating habits. You can change your messiness. Don't let my wife hear me say that. You can change your victim mentality. It's up to you, though. You have to make a decision to not be a victim, to not say, because of these things, this is the way that I am. No, God created you and he knows you. And he has big plans and dreams for you, but you've got to lean in and trust him in that. You can be whatever God says you can be. What if we sat around and complained because we didn't have all the resources that we need as a church? Like when we started this place and we were meeting in the school, we had hardly any resources. The few people that came to church were new to church. They didn't understand the idea of tithing. So we had like our team would tithe and give money so we'd have some resources. We did have an outside source that gave some money. But we, we never would go into a meeting and say, hey, we would love to do this thing, but we can't because we don't have the resources. We, I, I don't remember ever having that meeting once in the history of this church. When we started and we were like, hey, we're going to do backpacks and school supplies for kids, we started there and the next, and Bob, I've told this story before, but Bob and I were driving, to, I was going to go preach in Columbia Falls and while we were going up there, I said, Bob, what's the next thing? What, what's another need we can meet? And he said, how about school shoes for kids? Now we are a poor church. We were broke. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe we could go out in the neighborhood and just like meet some people and we, we could maybe find where we could buy shoes for like 20 or 25 kids. And Bob says to me, he goes, why are you limiting it? Go, Bob. Whatever. And I said, well, I mean, if we got, if we get like, what if we get hundreds of kids that need shoes? He's like, so what? Dang you, Bob. And so we didn't. We just went and we asked and we found and we gave. And we never, ever looked back. Because we can all point out the problems. We can all point out our limitations. And I, I'm so blessed to be a part of a church that every time we say, hey, we should, God always shows up with the resources. He always shows up. So the verse that we started this with, you may be going, Where, what is happening with this verse? It says, my parents ate green, green apples. Now I have a stomach ache. So I'll, I'll give you a more, like, maybe modern-day analogy. My grandpa didn't use deodorant, so now I have body odor. <laughs> My grandpa did use deodorant, by the way. That's... <laughs> but we can, easily, we can easily point to things and say, because this happened, I will never. That's fine if it's based on what you can do. If it's only based on what you have the ability to do, then that's fine. Go ahead and live in that space. But the God that we serve is bigger than you. The dreams that he has for you are bigger than you. So when we get to this place where we, and God is saying, he's saying, listen, no longer will you use that term anymore. Apparently it was a widespread thing that was being said. You know, my parents ate green apples and because of that, I have a stomach ache. And he said, that is not going to work anymore. Because you're not going to make excuses as to why life isn't the way that it should be. Because he's saying, I am the God 
who is able. And so for many of you, what I, want, what I want you to hear from me today, I'm not belittling anything that's gone on in your life. I'm not saying you should just get over it. Because if I can tell you anything, any amount of time that I've spent with people who are in trauma, I understand saying to them, get over it, doesn't work. And it actually makes things worse. So it's not what I'm saying to you. But what I am saying to you is, he has bigger and better for you. And so inside of that, to be able to say, God, I need you to heal me in those places that need to be healed because I don't want this to be a limit on me anymore. Some of you have been victimized. Some of you have been, have been in, in situations where maybe you grew up in an abusive home where your, your, your parent was abusive to you or, or you've had other struggles inside of your life. And so for you, you've always, that's always been a cap. And I'm just telling you right now that what I want you to hear today is you don't have to live with a ceiling that was put out by man. Because God says, no, no, we can raise the roof on that. We don't have to, we don't have to live there. <clears throat> I was thinking about this last week as we were talking a little bit about this idea of many of us um, coming to a place where you've come into maybe this place and you've, you've had a hard life. And, and I always say this regularly because I want you to hear it, but I want you to understand that your story doesn't define you and that that when you've made a mess of your life, we have a God that sees you and he will, he, you don't have to come into this place clean. You come into this place just as you are. And as you put your trust in him, he begins to do the cleaning. Yeah. Last Sunday, I, I woke up early. I woke up before my alarm clock. And, and I know that we all have those moments where you wake up a little bit before your alarm clock. And, and sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. And I woke up and I thought, oh, man. I have 20 more minutes. Do I go back to sleep or do I just get up? How many of you are the try and go back to sleep people? Okay. How many of you just get, you might as well just get up now. All right, yeah. That's usually me too. And so I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just get up. And as I was getting out of bed, I thought to myself, you know what? This is a great opportunity. I'm going to have a little bit more time for coffee, some quiet time. Everyone's sleeping in the house. So I, I go out to the kitchen and we have two coffee makers at my house. We have one that is called an espresso machine. That's our fancy pants coffee. And then we've got one that's the Keurig. And so the, the Nespresso machine does the little pods as well. And they're like, instead of being 25 cents a piece, they're a dollar a piece. And so I'm like, man, I'm going to treat myself today to a dollar coffee instead of a 25 cent coffee. So I put the little pod in the machine and I lock it down. I put the cup in there and I'm standing there and the, the sun hasn't crested over the mountains yet. It's pretty dark in the house. And as I'm standing there and just thinking for a moment, this machine, it kind of shakes a little bit as it makes the coffee. I guess that's how you know it's really good coffee, is that the machine shakes. And the little platform that the cup is on shakes loose, and the coffee hits the counter and all over. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So I get down on my, I get down and I get a towel. Actually, I didn't get down on my hands and knees. I did this number, guys. You all know what I'm talking about, right? Let's be honest for a moment. This is how we do our cleaning. <laughs> and I wiped down the counters and stuff. And then I, uh, I got my cup that was now empty. And I thought, you know what, Nespresso machine, shame on you. And I went to the Keurig and I got myself. So I punished myself with a lesser cup of coffee after that. Um, and, then I, and then I went and I sat down and few minutes later, I was like, oh man, I had some creamer in that that probably has a little bit of sugar in it. So that's going to get sticky on the floor. And then my wife's not going to be happy with me. So I went and I got a wet towel and I went back and I was doing this again. 
I'm with a wet towel. Real thorough job I was doing. Um, so I got, I got done with that, and I put that in the washing machine, and I went and sat back down on the couch. And uh, a while later, my wife woke up, and she came out. And by then, the sun was starting to come up, and so our house was lighting up. And I went up to, to say good morning to her, and as I got near her, I looked, and I was like, oh, man, I missed quite a few spots. Yeah. <laughs> as the light began to shine, I began to see more spots. So I grabbed a towel, and I started to kind of wipe down the counters and do some stuff. And she's there now, so this time I got down on my hands and knees. And I was doing what you're supposed to do, doing the way you're supposed to do it. And, uh, and, and so I was like, oh, man. So I tell her all about it. By the way, if any of you are like, hey, the, the little espresso thing makes about seven ounces of coffee. And there's a lot of times when I drink that, I'm like, man, that's not enough coffee. But if you're ever thinking, man, that's not very much coffee, just do this. Take the seven ounces and do this in your kitchen. And it'll feel like a lot more coffee than you thought you were getting. So I'm down and I'm cleaning it all up. Well, then like a little later, it's lighter in the house. And now I'm seeing there's spots everywhere. Like I have to get down. We have white cabinets too, so that's not super helpful. But even as I open cabinets, there's spots of coffee everywhere. And as I was, as I was cleaning that up, I was thinking to myself, uh, because last week we were talking about this idea of many of you coming from this place where, where a lot of times we stay away from church because we're afraid of, of man, I'm not going to be good enough, or I'm not going to be clean enough, or I'm not going to have my act together enough. And God, I really felt like the Holy Spirit said to me as I was driving to church last weekend about the idea of this coffee spilling all over the place, that it was in the darkness, it didn't seem like it was that big of a spill, but the more and more light shined in my kitchen, the more I was able to see all of the little spots that still needed to be cleaned up. Now, inside of that, what I want you to hear is, for many of us, like, like you're in a place where like the big stuff that's on the floor, like that's being cleaned up right now. But as God's light shines into your life, there's going to be more opportunity for you to go, oh, man, I got some stuff over here I didn't realize I, was, I needed to deal with. Now, that's not a slam. That's like, it's good that his light comes into your life. And so allow, allow God to come in, and God doesn't do it this way. I, I promise. He's way better than that. But allow him to come in and get the big stuff. As you, as you accept Christ and, and you go, man, I know this stuff is stuff that is not good for me. It's not healthy. It's not helping me. And you start handing that stuff over to him. But then the more you come to church, the more you spend time in worship, the more you're in his word, the more his light gets brighter inside of your life. And he'll begin to reveal other things in you that you also need to work on. And now why does he do that? It's because he loves you, right? It's not because he wants to be mean to you. It's not because he wants to just show you all your flaws. It's because he wants to make you more like him because that's where you'll find fulfillment and happiness. Paul tells Titus in this verse that we've been looking at to avoid genealogy. In other words, instead of making excuses for where you came from, understand that when we put ourselves under Jesus, then that is the only one, that, that, that's, that's the example that we live by now. If we'd be less focused on self-improvement and more focused on helping others, it would actually improve us. See, we've gotten to a place now where we, we, get, uh, we get sound bites. We get sound bites of even sermons. We get sound bites of, hey, this will make you feel better about yourself. This will make life better for you. This will, and it becomes very me-focused. It's all about me. 
But I'm telling you right now that as we read this book, we begin to understand that the thing that actually does something inside of us is when it's less about me and more about what I can do for other people. The children of Israel sat in Babylon and said, we cannot succeed due to our father's sin. They didn't succeed because they clung to an excuse instead of to their maker. Too many people cling to their excuse rather than the excuser of their sin. Some of the greatest, I, I love watching football, and some of the greatest football highlights, if you were to like get on YouTube and look for football highlights, a lot of them happen starting on the other end of the field, right? Like most of the highlights that you're going to see are not going to be like, hey, they were on the one-yard line and they scored a touchdown. Yeah. No, they're on the other one-yard line and they scored a touchdown. That's going to be the highlight reel. Yeah. So many of us, we make excuses because of our field position. Don't let your field position deter you because you can still be victorious depend, depending on if you're going to trust him or not. Look at, look at throughout scripture. Joseph went from the pit to the palace because he was determined that he was just going to chase God no matter what. Esther went from slave to queen. You can succeed. It doesn't matter what your excuse is. Do away with the excuses. You can succeed even if you're short in stature, short on money, short on brains. You can succeed if you're timid, shy, inferiority complex. You can succeed if your mom was a prostitute and your dad is in jail. Maybe you're shaped less like an hourglass and more like a pear. You can still succeed. Maybe you're rocking a mullet. You can still succeed. Hey, they're coming back. They're coming back, by the way. Buckle up. Maybe I'll grow my hair back just for that. You can succeed. Put away your excuses. You can succeed even if you're a Bears fan. It's fine. You can still succeed. Maybe not on the football field, but you can succeed. Everybody say, love you, Seth. We need to get rid of excuses. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If we could once and for all stop enjoying our victimhood, kick its butt out of the church, it will transform us and it will transform our community. This needs to be the one place in society where we don't sit around making excuses. Because it's become commonplace that everybody makes excuses. I've even seen, I've seen, when I was on staff at a, at a church at one point, there was a pastor on staff who, who wanted everybody to think that he was, didn't have any money. He wanted like this idea so that people would feel bad for him. The guy made more money than I made and he wanted people to feel sorry for him. And I, I, that, I can't wrap my mind around that. Some of you understand that, like you want to feel like, you want people to feel bad for you. This, I've heard some of these where someone saw me kicking the can down the street and asked what I was doing. I told them I was moving. <laughs> he told people that his parents got married for the rice. Oh, 
I'm so poor I went to McDonald's and put a milkshake on layaway. All right, one more. I'm so, I'm so poor that my family eats cereal with a fork to save the milk. Rough crowd, so these won't make it tomorrow morning. Got it. There's something that's enticing about the poor me mentality, though. Like, I want everybody to feel bad for me. But how is it that we can live that way and then expect people to want to be saved? Like, how can you live in such a way where you're like, woe is me, look at all the bad stuff going on inside of my life. Hey, do you want to come to church with me this weekend? <laughs> hey, can I tell you about my Savior? They're going to be like, Savior from what? Yeah. You're a mess. No, we got to say, you know what? Even in the middle of my pain, even in the middle of my hurt, even in the middle of the things that are hard, I know that God is good and I know that he has great plans for me. And so even when it feels hard and even when I'm in the middle of a struggle, I'm going to be that person that you can always look to as being a light in the darkness. Romans 8, 37. Know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Whatever's happening in your world right now, whatever your struggle is, I want you to know that he has called you to be more than a conqueror. That's hard because some of you are in the middle of it right now. And you're like, I don't feel like more than a conqueror right now, Jason. And I understand that, and I'm not belittling where you find yourself today. But I am telling you this, don't park there. Keep moving. Keep trusting, keep believing, keep knowing that God is for you. He is not intimidated by your past. He's not intimidated by your problem. He's like, man, I'm going to walk you through this. We did a whole series called Through. Because I wanted you to understand that you are going to have valleys in your life, but he always promises to bring you through them. So don't get stuck. Don't stop. Keep moving. Keep trusting. Let's be the people that when when other people are saying, man, I'm such a victim, you go, not me, I'm a victor. Not me, I got victory in my life because God loves me and has a plan for me. We can change the world. I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes with me for the next few minutes. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.